passage of scripture for my prepared message is out of Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4, and then verses 8 through 11. And I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to announce that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. And for the Lord has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities long ago destroyed. And they will revive them, though they have been empty for many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. And their descendants will be known and honored among the nations. And everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in the robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom in his wedding suit or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring, filled with young plants springing up everywhere. So often I think we read stories in the Bible and feel that they must, they must have had it all together. Or they were able to weather the storms with much more faith. Or we can't get it together spiritually, but they could and we could never measure up. But what if we realize that they struggled just as much as we do or that they experienced grief or uncertainty and frustration just as much as we do? It may not make all of our circumstances better or right away, but maybe we can rest in the reality that keeping the faith is a lifelong journey and a deep faith is often forged in these realities of life. As pastor and author Rich Viadas recently wrote, quote, I'm deeply grateful that scripture isn't a collection of sanitized stories of holy people. It's rather a collection of stories of ordinary broken people loved by God and made holy through a righteousness outside of themselves. Now, Isaiah 61 is a good example. The setting's almost 1,500 years ago, and this is after the exile and the captivity in Babylon, and the Israelites are back in Jerusalem. Persian King Cyrus has defeated the, the Babylonians, and he has decreed that the Israelites can leave their exile, they can return to their homeland, and they can rebuild their city and their temple. Now, this is a good thing, of course. The challenge, though, is that the Israelites have been living with uncertainty and grief while they were in captivity, and this grief and this uncertainty continues on even upon their return to Jerusalem. Now, first of all, the time spent in exile and Babylonian captivity was approximately 70 years. Now, think about that. In those 70 years, family members and friends had passed away. Children were born, raised, married, and started their own families. Special events were celebrated, but in a foreign land and during an uncertain future. And they're still doing life, but so much has been missed in all of those 70 years. 70 years is literally a whole generation 
that have been displaced and have missed out on significant events in their life. And you add to all this the feeling that they have no idea whether or not the future will be the same as the past. What changes will there be? What will be different? What will be the same? How will life be different than it was before? And what if the future is nothing like the past? And finally, will the reality meet our expectations or is there simply going to be more disappointment? Now this sounds so much like what we have been experiencing in our present reality. It's been nine months now, give or take, that we've all been on this pandemic journey. As much as we try to distract ourselves from it, try to ignore it, we realize that every morning we wake up, it is still there for now and for the time being, much like the Israelites in exile. Every morning they woke up, it was another day in exile, another experience in uncertainty about their future, and for us as well. There are feelings of grief, there's feelings of frustration, events have been canceled, wedding dates have been moved, Thanksgiving and Christmas gatherings adapted or adjusted or canceled altogether. And like the Israelites, there is so much that has passed that we won't be able to recapture those moments. All we really can look forward to is the future and to rebuilding. Now the dates may be different and the context may be a bit different, but the human condition stays about the same and we feel what they felt in our own pandemic exile. One of the individuals I follow and listen to on social media, his name is Stephen Charleston. He's a Native American elder, a citizen of the Choctaw Nation, and a bishop in the Episcopal Church. And he posts daily prayers and reflections, and this is one post from this past week. I have no special insight into what is to come, he writes, but I do believe as a society we are going to go through some soul-searching in the days ahead. As we emerge from the pandemic burrow of our more individual one day at a time way of life to a more public post-vaccine open manner of life, we are going to be asking ourselves, what have we learned? What do we never want to happen again and what are we willing to change? In other words, we are going to be looking at our values as a community. And when we do, when we engage in this process of self-reflection, I hope we set a high standard for our future. Honesty, integrity, and compassion must be non-negotiable. Justice and inclusivity must be foundational. Critical thinking, reliance on scientific fact, and social responsibility must be integral. When it comes to rebuilding our values, he writes, we need to keep the bar high. Now, Isaiah 61 is a passage that essentially says, you've come through or you are going through a very challenging time in your life and your expectations and hope may be waning due to exhaustion, but don't give up hope because God's intentions are to rebuild and repair the world and we get to be part of it. God's intentions are to renew and rebuild people's lives because hard seasons don't last forever. And when it is over, we are offered the opportunity to do life differently, much like Stephen Charleston just wrote to live in a renewed and different way. Seventy years was a long time for the Israelites uh, to return to Jerusalem. God gives them, though, an opportunity to do life differently and to build or rebuild the world into something life-giving and something flourishing. It's going to be a world in which there will be good news for the poor. That's what Isaiah writes. It's going to be a world in which the brokenhearted will be comforted. It will be a world in which those in captivity will be set free. 
All of that was happening right then for the Israelites, but it's as if Isaiah is saying, but this is what the new world is also going to be like. The brokenhearted will be comforted. There will always be good news for the poor, and the captive will always be set free. And those who are mourning are going to rediscover joy, and those who are despairing will instead hope and hope again and offer gratitude, because as Isaiah says and writes, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities long ago destroyed. In other words, God promises the people of Israel that they will be able to rebuild their lives and repair their community. And in the process, they will discover that God is giving them this opportunity to reshape the world into a more hospitable place to live, filled with good news for those that are struggling, to comfort those that are brokenhearted and grieving, and freedom for those that are imprisoned. Now, Advent, I believe, is that moment and reminder that God's intentions are to rebuild our world and our lives. Advent is this moment when we are reminded that God seeks to repair and to restore our world so that all of creation has this opportunity to flourish. And to live into Advent is to prepare ourselves for the coming of God into our lives and open ourselves up to the ways God's grace seeks to rebuild our lives. To live into Advent is to live with this expectancy that God is at work in our world and to join God in repairing our world. Isaiah is very clear, quote, For I, the Lord, love justice. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring, filled with young plants springing up everywhere. In other words, God wants to make things right in our world, and God wants us to partner with God in making things right. God seeks to bring new life where there is deadness. God seeks to bring new hope where there is despair. God seeks to bring flourishing where there is languishing hearts and souls, and God seeks to make things right and rebuild lives in all of creation. Now, our lives and our world are going to need rebuilding, I believe. A couple of weeks ago, a new story was published that showed the emotional cost of the pandemic on children. It could be seen in all of these letters to Santa Claus arriving at a post office in southwest France. Now, this post office answers emails sent to answers email or, or letters sent to the traditional Father Christmas from around the world. For example, one five-year-old girl asked in her letter that Santa please use the front door because the back door is only used by grandma and grandpa to lower their risk of catching the new coronavirus. Young Zoe asked only for a music player and a visit to an amusement park because, quote, this year has been very different from others because of COVID-19. And then she added, that's why I'm not asking you for many things to avoid infection. And then even some older folks wrote in as well. A 77-year-old wrote that, quote, the lockdown is no fun. I live alone. And then a grandparent asked Santa to, quote, say hi to my two grandkids that I won't be able to see this year because of the health situation. And one person simply asked for a pandemic of love. People are hungry for recovery. People are hungry for rebuilding. People are hungry for hope. And people are hungry for a people who have hope and who will live with hope and who will live as if God is coming into their lives and God is coming into the world and who will live as if God has not forgotten us and God is still with us. It is the love of God in Christ that we prepare ourselves for during the season of Advent. And this preparing involves inviting the living Christ 
to enter into our own lives and through God's grace to build and repair us inwardly so we can be God's presence of rebuilding and repairing our broken world. So may the living Christ repair our brokenness and rebuild our lives so that we may experience the wholeness that brings peace and the peace that Christ offers. May the living Christ rebuild us in our grief so that in time we begin to experience the joy of living even as we hold the memory of those we have lost or those who have passed away. May the living Christ restore our hope and heal us of our cynicism, maybe our sarcasm and our despair so our own lives may be energized with hope and we can be brokers of hope in a world that feels defeated on a daily basis. And may the living Christ restore courage in our lives so we don't continually live in fear along with this foreboding sense about the future. May the living Christ rebuild our faith so even when we feel overwhelmed with life and we find a way in God's grace to keep going and to keep showing up and to keep engaging life with energy, aliveness, and creativity. And even down to the very dailiness of life, may the light of Christ rebuild and repair our relationships, our marriages, and the hurt we may be experiencing in our own families and just even our own personal pain and sorrow. As that one... That one person wrote, may it be a pandemic of love and light during this season. And may this Advent season remind us that even in the hardest of seasons, our lives may be experiencing God is still present. God is still coming to you and I, and God is still coming to our world as light, love, and hope. So yes, may it be a pandemic of light, love, and hope. I've always loved these words by the late author and preacher Howard Thurman. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princesses are home, when the shepherds are back with the flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoners, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people and to make music in the heart.